Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. This is Josh Taylor, and it is awesome to be back. This is an exciting episode. Not only is it my return back, but a huge addition to the podcast. Uh, First thing first, I just want to introduce my guy Brian Murphy to you guys, who's going to be joining the podcast. I'm super excited about it, and uh, I just wanted Brian, real quick, to just take the first few minutes and just talk about himself because, um, you know, I feel like the biggest thing with podcasts, especially something that I've been, you know, big on is, you know, selling yourself. And that's that's really the product that you're giving is yourself, not only the content of the team, but who you are. Uh, so, Brian, real quick, I'm excited to have you on and uh, I'm excited to see what the fan base uh, has to say about you. So just real quick, just give a little intro about yourself and uh, what you're going to bring to the podcast. Well, what's up, man? I, uh, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to to join you, join the Burgundy Network pod. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think we're, we're, we both love the Washington football team. Got to got to correct myself when I, that I don't say the old name at, uh, anymore. Uh, but yeah, I'm just pumped. I'm, I've been a fan my whole life. It's in my blood. My dad, and my grandma got me into Washington football, and so I'm excited to talk to you about it and break some stuff down and just have some fun. And, you know, like you said, uh, just kind of introduce ourselves to, to you guys and to, to dive into our, our football team. Exactly. And you give a different perspective because you live in Georgia, right? Yeah, that's right. Down in Atlanta. So it's kind of, I'm kind of lonely down here being a uh, Washington <laughs> fan in Falcon territory, but I oh, uh, still make sure to check in on all the games and all that. So just bringing a little Southern flavor to the pod. Hey, nothing wrong with Hot Lena. I tell you, the only time I really go through, I told you I'm a huge Alabama fan. That's um, right. That's like the only time I ever go through Atlanta is to get to Alabama, but uh, definitely feel you on that. Um, so with training camp, I mean, being different this year, you know, being in Georgia, did you really have any opportunities to go to training camp, like growing up and stuff, or what's your experiences like with training camp? No, and I've, I've lived in Atlanta a, a long time, so I've been following – the Redskins and following Washington from from far away for a while, so it was always just kind of tuning into videos and and the website and all that. So I guess for me, not being able to go up there it hasn't been too different, but I see how it's different. Um, usually, I'm following along with fans and media that are right there, right in the middle of the action. So that's a little different. Uh, even getting it secondhand is a is a little different. You know, not as much inside scoop or right there, but. It seems like the team is is responding well. It seems like that oh, yeah. they're they're kind of just going about their business, and despite it being just a crazy year like twenty twenty is, they're still moving on and getting some work in. Yeah, absolutely. Our media team has done a great job. You know, it does suck not being able to be there as a fan. Um, that's something I did multiple times a year is go to training camp talking to the fans just meeting with the players I mean to me that was one of the best parts of the season so you know not being there you know it is unfortunate but I'd say our media team's done a great job keeping everybody up to date on everything I mean I'm checking Twitter <laughs> non-stop at work For sure. uh, just getting all the updates on everything so I've, I've been really appreciative of that but 
you know, watching it right now, this is the first training camp under Ron Rivera. And I mean, I think I can speak for both of us and say that there's definitely a much different out outcome to these practices. You know, he'll say, look, I didn't like practice today or this was good today. That wasn't good enough for my expectations. What have you seen different from the past, you know, kind of hearing Jay talk about practice and then Ron talk about his practices? What do you think is the biggest difference there? Well, it seems like Jay just didn't take it as seriously as Ron. I think Jay felt like, you know, practice was important, but the game is what mattered. But really, it starts during the week when when these guys are practicing. You got to get it right in practice. And it sounds like just from some of the details that I've seen that Ron has stuck around and talked to guys and talked with guys saying, hey, it's about the details. You got to make sure you throw it here, not here. You got to make sure you're here in this spot and not that spot. So it just sounds like the details are the biggest part. And Ron is just preaching details and details and details. So I hope that if they can get all these details right in practice, iron out those issues that we start to see some improvement uh, on game days. I just, I mean, all the different times that Jay Gruden teams weren't prepared for whatever it was, whether it was clock management, whether it was situational awareness uh, they just didn't seem to be on the ball and it doesn't seem like Ron Rivera will tolerate that and it probably has been a bit of a culture shock for some of these guys that have been around Jay Gruden for so long but I think it's a a necessary change for this team if they're going to be successful moving forward yeah and you brought up a good point with focus I mean maybe not having fans and all these events and stuff at training camp like we usually do is a positive to the players yeah. and the coaching because it's just straight football that's it like you're just working your tail off you don't have fan appreciation day and all these like little games and stuff going on and fans yelling at you for autographs and stuff like that it's just straight hand in the ground getting to the ball practice um, and another thing that I really thought about is injuries I mean you know our injury history and how how many injuries we usually occur throughout the season it's pretty much the history of every season that we've had in the last few years I feel like practices like this get you more prepared for the regular season. Do you think we're going to handle injuries better or be more prepared in that aspect of, you know, being more reliable and durable during games? Yeah, I mean, knock on wood, we haven't seen any big big injuries happen yet, and I think maybe that has to do with them going full speed like you said, just no nonstop on football. That's all they're focusing on right now and you know, maybe practicing like you play, you're not pulling up and hopefully not injuring yourself. So, yeah, I think that focus is huge there. And I think, uh, you know, him just letting the guys hit each other a little bit, it's a good way to get into football shape. You, you can't play scared. And so if they're going full speed in practice, it's it's going to make the games a lot easier. So, again, knock on wood that injuries stay out of this equation because, like you said, that's been something that this team has dealt with, I feel like, more than any other team. Maybe we're biased, but it just seems like by the end of the year, double-digit 20, 25 guys have been injured or missed significant time. So hopefully that that's a change that happens, and I don't know if that's a Ron thing or a Luck thing or, uh, you know, whatever it is, but I, I hope it stays that way, and uh, so far so good. Yeah, the only thing that we've really had come up is, you know, the Chase Young uh, with his hip. It seems like we're, you know, taking care of that, being really cautious on that. Are you at all concerned about that? I- yeah, I think that that's just a precautionary thing. I mean, he he he's a rookie, yes, but I think he's going to be one of the more uh, 
the more impactful players on the team. So to get a couple days days off is probably not a big deal for him. Yeah. It's probably for the best just to give him a, a breather and save him for for when it matters. I think you know there's there's a lot that he has to learn being an NFL player. Don't get me wrong, but I think that you know missing a practice here or there is not a huge deal. And I'd rather he miss a practice here or there than a game here or there. So I'm not too worried. I think uh, I think. As we move forward, if we see him missing some more time, missing multiple practices a week or something like that, then yeah. then we'll have something different to talk about. But right now, I don't think it's a, a huge deal at all. Yeah, I think it's more of, you know, just protecting any injuries from happening. And, I mean, he obviously has a roster spot. Like he said, he's going to have a huge impact on this team. He's not competing for anything. Um, they're just making sure he's in football shape but also staying healthy. Um, but yeah, I think Monday was one of the best practices we've had. Um, you talked about players just getting after the ball and hitting each other. I mean, there was a couple of plays where like Troy Apke blew up on Terry McLaurin. Everyone's like, oh man, like, oh geez, like this is, this is what practice is going to be like. Like it's, it's hard nose hitting. They're not afraid to, you know, they're not like shoulder like tackling and like little touches and stuff like that. So it's good to see that they're getting game day ready and, I mean, honestly, I have seen some training camp practices and stuff like that where it was just like, all right, we're just going through the formations, going through the motions. This is just what's on schedule today. Like, it didn't feel like a real practice. And there was no expectations. So just seeing that we have expectations and Ron wants to live up to that and he's holding players accountable, that's another thing that's been huge. I mean, we saw – I saw a couple tweets of saying, like, uh, Cam Curl – um, and someone else dropped like interceptions and Ron just blew up. He's like, do you not like nice things? Like what's wrong with you? Like, why are you dropping these easy turnovers and stuff like that? So, you know, do you think that leadership right away is being felt from some of these guys that have been on the team for a while? Yeah, I think that there's definitely an intensity there. And I think the, you look at the, the best play so far from camp was that deep ball from uh, Dwayne to, to Terry where he punted it afterwards and was pumped. And yeah. you just don't – you don't see – I don't think you saw that in, in years past. I, and no. I think that just kind of talks uh, and shows what Ron is bringing to the table. I think he wants his guys to not only compete on Sundays but compete during the week and compete in camp and want to be the best and get the best out of each other. You know, I, I think Chris Harris, the defensive backs coach, has been – pretty vocal but you know cam sims the wide receiver makes a nice catch in the back of the end zone and he's the first guy there to dap him up you know so i I think just that competitive nature that ron brings is going to be huge and hopefully you know during the season we see that pay off um in a couple more wins or whatever it may be just see this team fight a little bit harder because they've been fighting all week and, and, and fighting for a guy that they know cares about them and, and wants the best for them. And I think that's what Ron has brought. And I think that that will continue. And like you said, I, I don't mind the, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't mind the, the big pops every now and then. I think, I think these guys have to get ready, especially in a year like this, they have to get ready to play pretty quickly. I mean, there, there's no preseason games. They got to be able to hit each other a couple times you know, uh, it, it sounded like Terry popped right back up. So there's no ill will there. So I, I'm cool with the guys getting popped every now and then because, you know, in in less than three weeks, they're the hits are going to be real and the, the players are going to be real and it's going to be go time. So you got to be ready. And if that means getting hit by one of your teammates a couple times, then I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm for it too. Like I said, the Eagles, they're not going to hold back and yeah, exactly. <laughs> soft tackle us. Exactly. You're, you're, like I said, there's no preseason games. You're going from literally standing 
up to just straight marathon sprinting into the season. There's not much. This pretty much is like our preseason just scrimmaging against each other. I think we're actually having like a scrimmage game um, coming up at the stadium just to prepare for like how games are going to go and stuff like that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, this is an important camp and not only, you know, because it's a new coach with a new system, but it is a new culture. And you're certainly feeling that on those plays, like you said, with Terry, you know, getting hype, punting the ball, like that's the stuff that gets you fired up. Like you feel like there's hope in this team. It's not just the same motion every season. So seeing that new culture, I'm excited about it. Um, I just want to point out three players that have been mentioned a lot that have surprised both of us. We kind of talked about it before we started recording. Um, so I just want to talk about these guys real quick, and who do you think will have the biggest impact? And that's Jerron Christian, Troy Abke, and Marcus Ball. So to me, looking at this, you have Jerron Christian, who's a guy, you know, was highly, you know, scouted coming into the league, you know, had high hopes for him. It didn't really pan out. Then you have Troy Abke, very athletic. I mean, he tips all the scales on, you know, the physical level, but has the bad, you know, angles, and it's just things that you can tweak. Then you have Marcus Ball, who just came out of nowhere. I guarantee you 90% of the fan base didn't hear his name before training camp even started. So out of those three guys, who do you think can not only compete to start, but can have the biggest impact towards the season? So I'll tell you who I think it's going to be and then who I think it needs to be. I'm going to give you a couple different answers here. So I think... I think Troy Apke, I think, is going to make the biggest impact of those three. It sounds like he has kind of almost cemented that starting spot despite uh, Sean Davis coming in and being a uh, off-season sign. It sounds like Troy Apke has made the necessary jump from uh, from his first couple of years to be an impactful playmaker. I think he's going to be out there. Whether he ends up being the starter for all 16 games, I don't know about that. But I think his speed and just his athleticism, like you said, I think that, that he's going to fly around and make some plays, and I think he's got help with Landon Collins. I think that the the corners have gotten better. I think that secondary has gotten better to where he'll be able to to contribute. And even if he's not a starter per se, I'm sure he'll be out there regularly and have some chances to make a play. That being said, I think Jerron Christian needs to be the biggest impact guy. It sounds like he is he's locked into that left tackle spot. As of right now, it doesn't sound like Sadiq Charles is practicing anytime soon. So I think that him and Cornelius Lucas were really the only two other guys at that left tackle spot. And for me, Jerron Christian is so key this year. If he really has taken that jump, that will be so huge. Such big shoes to fill in Trent Williams. They tried to do it with Donald Penn last year for uh, for a season. You know, that was a, you know. It worked. It was a Band-Aid, I guess. Oh, yeah. But if Jerron Christian, a third-year guy who, who was largely written off, kind of like you said, if he can make that step and be a huge uh, uh, a huge force on that left side and help Dwayne out a little bit, I think that's going to be really key. And that's why I think he needs to be – he needs to step in there. He should be beating out uh, a, a fourth-round rookie in Sadiq Charles. Like, he should be – beating out a, a journeyman in Cornelius Lucas. I just want to see him take that and, and run with it. So that's why I, I think he needs to be it. I'm just not sure that he is going to make that kind of impact. I just haven't seen that over the last few years. And so once we actually get like live games and go in and watch a pass rusher, an Eagles pass rusher up against him, I don't know if we'll see that. But uh, hopefully with all the news that is coming out about him, he's improved a, a little bit and hopefully that continues. So I just think we, we, he needs to lock down that left side and uh, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that he's able to, I'm just not going to hold my breath on it. Yeah. And 
you know, he was really honest, you know, when he spoke to the media. He said, you know, with my time here so far, I saw Morgan Moses and I saw Trent Williams and I knew I wasn't going to play. And, you know, that might sound really crappy to say, but, you know, it, it shows that he's being honest and that's just his mindset and how it was. And he said it was time for me to change that mindset. And, I mean, since he has, it sounds like it's paying off because he's been talked about a lot. And with Sadiq Charles, you know, he has been injured and he hasn't really practiced much. But even before that, I was hearing a lot of how he wasn't really picking up the offense right away. Um, it, it sounds like what they were saying about Haskins and it was BS. But it, it sounds like he just, you know, needed more time to get used to the offense and everything anyways. So I was leaning more towards Cornelius Lucas going into the season. But it looks like that Christian certainly is stepping up and finally being what we hoped he was going to be. So, like I said, if if he's good for us, we need that spot to be locked down for Haskins. Like, good Lord, especially our run game. But protecting Haskins is the number one key going into the season. Because if he goes down, then it's plan B with Kyle Allen. Um so I think yeah, he, if I he go, if he goes down, it, you know we're 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 talking about a whole different type of season. So yeah, like you said, it's it's just so important to keep him upright. It's the Alex Smith going down to Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not right, as right. bad as that, yeah. but still, right. Uh, so I think he's the most important. Um, I think Apke really surprises me because we haven't heard anything out of Sean Davis. Um, I know he was coming off of an injury last year. So I didn't really know what to expect from him, but I haven't heard anything about him in training camp, to be honest with you. Just a few mentions here and there. Um, but I think with Abke, he has the things you can't you know, just teach somebody, and that's the, all those physical abilities. We saw him get his first interception last year against San Francisco, picking off Jimmy G. Um, so we kind of seen some flashes of what he possibly could be, but he has terrible angles. It's something that's been talked about for a long time. And I think that's something Del Rio can come in and fix right away. He plays to player strengths, and he knows you know, what you need work on. And him and Minuski's night and day. I don't even want to mention his name ever again because he's gone. But I'm just glad that we finally have a real defensive coordinator that can actually come in and coach our players and you know fix the things that need to work on. This quote-unquote communication, I, I think that was all BS. I think it was just bad coaching. Um, straight up and Marcus Ball to me could be the surprise guy I've heard multiple people um, including John Kime say he is for sure the most physical tight end we have on the team and with our uh, Air Coriel offense we're going to be going vertical a lot you know Logan Thomas is a big guy he's not the fastest he's more like a possession tight end so right. I feel like a guy like Marcus Ball is going to have a lot of those straight vertical running up field, you know, cutting across the middle of the field routes. Um, so I feel like he can have a big part of this offense, especially in like the red zone, but going deep and we need a faster tight end. So I think he can surprise a lot of people, but definitely need John Christian to step up and uh, be that left tackle guy. I think we have a healthy Morgan Moses on the other side. So that left side's a question mark. And Troy Abke, if he holds down the free safety spot, then awesome. You know, we got a good value out of him. He had a lot of hype coming out of Penn State, killed the 40 time, killed all the drills. Um, so coming in, making a big impact would be huge for us. Um, and another question going into this season, to me, was the hottest player on our defense last season um, as the season was ending, and that's Ryan Anderson. So yeah. we've seen him move from outside linebacker to a defensive end position now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm excited for him, and uh, I think I think that's where we're going to see some of Chase Young's impact is I think he's going to make some of these guys that were 
role players and probably being asked to do a little bit more than they were supposed to be doing, I think he's going to make them better. And I think Ryan Anderson is definitely one of those guys that factors in there. I think he's just going to add to the rotation in that front seven. Uh, he's just going to be a fresh set of legs when you got to bring, you know, a sweat or a, or a young off the field, whatever it looks like. I think just he is so versatile. Um, and like you said, playing on the line, will be a little different, but I think that he is going to – I think he's going to have a big season. And like I said, I think it's going to be uh, impacted by some of the guys around him. I think like Ryan Anderson, I think Ryan Kerrigan is going to be affected uh, positively by Chase Young as well. I think Chase Young comes in and eventually is that starter opposite of Montez Sweat that they're starting on opposite sides of each other. And I think Ryan Kerrigan's able to just rotate in as he gets a little bit older. I'm not saying he's he's too old to play, but as he gets older, he can stay a little bit more fresh and come in and rush the passer and make some game-changing plays without having to do it, you know, 60, 70 snaps a, a, a game. So like like Ryan Anderson, I think Ryan Kerrigan is a guy that benefits off of that. But Ryan Anderson, yeah, he uh, – he makes some plays. He, he forced a lot of fumbles last year, and I think he's just going to be able to fly around and wreak some havoc. Uh, and I, like you said, Jack Del Rio, I'm just so excited for what he brings to the table. And I think that I think that that uh, a lot of these guys are going to benefit um, benefit from what he brings to the to the table, and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, to be honest with you, my best sports moment live was 2015 Ryan Anderson strip sack against Tennessee just sealing that game and that's what he's always been good at like he and it feels like he's had to kind of transition to more of like a going into coverage linebacker and he just wasn't comfortable about that and uh, he actually talked with Zach Selby and he mentioned you know how much of a difference it is with Jack Del Rio and he said you know it, it feels like I'm a rookie again coming into this new position he said, but Jack Del Rio has allowed me to just attack the ball. I'm not thinking. I'm not having to go into any other schemes or anything like that. It's just straight attack mode, all aggressive, get to the quarterback, get to the ball. And I feel like that's what he's more comfortable doing. I think that's his more natural act is just getting to the ball. Like you said, I mean, good Lord, he was he was causing a lot of fumbles in the season. And that was the biggest question we've had is like what – you know, what kind of role is he going to have in this new defense? People thought we would trade him. People thought, you know, we're going to hang on to him and try to move him to this DN spot, which we did. So I think he is going to have a, a big role, especially if we do like some NASCAR packages where it's just straight blitzing. You've right. got Anderson, Sweat, like I said, Kerrigan could come in, uh, Chase Young, and then like Nate Orchard, just like the, the rushing linebackers come in. So I think it's going to be a completely different look. To me, I'm excited about our offense. But I'm excited to see this new defensive scheme because we know we've had the players. It just it's just looked uncomfortable. Like I feel like a lot of players weren't in their comfortable positions or they were doing stuff they're not used to, like sweat dropping into coverage last year. Like how many times? Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. Same with like John Bostic and some of these other linebackers were just forced to go out on these slot receivers and athletic tight ends and would just get killed. Um, so I think we're gonna have a much better defense, and I put that on Jack Del Rio and the players. You know, looking at our rosters, what positions do you think we really need to get set in stone as soon as possible? Well, I I still am just really unsure about the playmakers. Like, I, I, I'm excited for the potential that, that Marcus Ball could bring. You know, it sounds like Logan Thomas has had a decent uh, camp so far. But 
just who is going to catch these passes from Dwayne Haskins outside of Terry McLaurin. That just really makes me nervous. You know, Terry's going to get his. I think he's going to going to have a huge season. I think Steven Sims is going to have a, a huge role out of the slot, but it's just kind of who comes in after that. Who's the third option? Who's the fourth option? And so that makes me nervous. We're relying on a bunch of young guys. Like we, we, I think I speak for both of us. We both love Terry McLaurin. How can you not love him? But he is only a second year player and that's a lot to put on a second year player. Steven Sims, just a second year player. And then after that, we've got uh, Inman, uh, just a journeyman, a, uh, AGG, is he going to be the, the third wide or the third, second, whatever you want to call it, wide receiver? We got, that's a rookie. Antonio Gibson, does he, he flex out? Does he catch a lot of passes? I'm just curious who's going to step up into that next role. And, you know, maybe they, they know and they're not unveiling that really, but it just kind of sounds like there's not an answer after McLaurin and Sims as far as catching the ball. I don't know how you feel about that, but it just makes me nervous like uh, that we're relying on a, a Logan Thomas as our tight end and a Marcus Ball who uh, we just know nothing about. And maybe they'll surprise us, but it just it, it kind of leaves me uneasy as we move into a, a, a new year and a critical year for Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, like you said, I know Logan Thomas has been talked about. They said him and Dwayne have a great connection, so that's good to see. Um, you know, it didn't take long. So having that, you know, reliable tight end, we were, I mean, I was kind of questionable about it. I'm like, that's, that's our problem solver to our tight end position is Logan Thomas. Right. Like I was kind of concerned about it, but I'm growing more into it. I'm not still confident in it going from a healthy Jordan Reed to nothing to now, uh, Logan Thomas. And to be honest with you, I think Sprinkle's gone. Um, I don't mean to veer off on this tight end spot, but I think Marcus Ball, I think Logan Thomas, and I think Hale Hinges gets the knock over Sprinkle because I, I, I was the biggest Sprinkle hater last year. Um, but talk about the receivers. What do you think about Inman? I don't I don't know a ton about him. Like I know he's been in the league for a while. I know that we needed like somewhat of a vet presence. So I was like, that's pretty much all I was excited about it. But like, what, what all do you feel about Inman? I mean, I think he, you know, he's he's tall, six three. Uh, like you said, he's been around a while. He's played with, you know, a couple of decent quarterbacks. I think his best year was in San Diego or L.A. with Philip Rivers. So, um, yeah, I don't know if he's the answer or not, but uh, he's really the only veteran wide receiver on the team. So it, it's just kind of scary that we pick him up, you know, right as camp is starting. Like that, it. it you know, there's no veteran presence outside of him. And maybe, you know, maybe he gets bumped by a guy like AGG who who develops pretty quickly, but it just kind of seems like they didn't have that guy on the roster yet. And so yeah. they went and got this depth veteran guy that I think will, that you know, that, that knows the NFL, knows what it takes, you know, what's expected of an NFL wide receiver. And, um, you know, we'll see if he's the starting receiver out there. It kind of sounds like he might be. Um, yeah. I hope that somebody unseats him because, you know, Dontrell Inman doesn't really get you all that excited. But, <laughs> you know, you need you need guys like that, I guess. But uh, I just would love for a younger guy to step up and move in there. I just don't know who's ready or who's who's capable of doing that. But, yeah, I don't know much about in Inman either. I, I hope uh, to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, seven years in the league, I'd be doing something right to hang around that long. Um, so I guess the the best thing about him is that he's he's been around. Other than that, it just kind of 
just just sounds like a guy right now. Yeah, I mean, we felt like our receiving core was young last year. I feel like it got even younger, like somehow. Well, I'm, well real quick, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the roster, and let me just run down this rookie. And then we got Dontrell Inman, seven years rookie, one year, second year, third year, third year, second year, uh, one year under their belt, one year under their belt, and then a rookie. So that that's what we're working with. And so there isn't a lot of experience there. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe these guys learn all together and kind of figure it out. But outside of Dontrell Inman, I think Trey Quinn might be your most experienced receiver. And that's, I mean, that's kind of scary sounding. (laughs) I I can't, I don't like Trey Quinn at all. Um, But yeah, so slot receiver wise, I mean, we know Sims holds it down thinking Quinn will be a good backup. He's for some reason still getting special team reps. Um, but I'm interested to see Isaiah Wright. Um, I want to see what he could possibly do in the slot. He's another one of those versatile guys that plays in the backfield but also plays receiver a lot. But we're depending way too much on young guys. I mean, before right. it was last year, you know, we had Terry. We had Steven Sims, rookie. Um, Kelvin Harmon. Kelvin Harmon, yeah. So we had three rookies last year that we were depending on. All stepped up way more than we thought they would. Um, but then this year, once again, Isaiah Wright, rookie, Gibson, rookie, AGG, rookie. So I feel like we're just, you know, doing the same thing, just kind of loading the funnel and see what comes out of it. I'm a huge AGG stan, you know, Liberty guy. He's a local Virginia boy, so I 100% support him. Um, but I just love the way he plays. I love his catch radius. And to me, the thing I really look at is our red zone offense last year sucked. I mean, it was either 31st or 32nd in the league. So the way I'm looking at our offense is like, what what can we improve on? And I think that's one of the biggest things is in the red zone. I feel good about Logan Thomas in the red zone. Like I said, Marcus Ball. Terry's going to do his thing, make his crazy catches. Uh, I've seen a lot of Sims getting great work in the red zone so far in this training camp. But I think AGG is another one of those guys that can go up and get those 50-50 balls, um, whether it's you know deep passes or in the red zone. I think he's going to come in. I think he could possibly take over as the second wide receiver on the team. I think, I think so, too. I think eventually he will, but maybe not to start. But, yeah, I'm excited for him as well. Yeah, I think Inman, just because he does have that vet you know, leadership, I think he'll, he will start, like you said. But I think, you know, who took Cody Latimer's spot? Because I, I kind of had Cody making the team. I think Isaiah Wright kind of slides in as, like, a, could play wide out, but could also play a lot of slot. Um, and take just a roster spot with them. So I, I'm excited to see what we have. You know, I, once again, we have a lot of rookies that we're depending on, but seeing that they have great connections already in camp is a huge plus. Um, so we're going to start talking about some more roster breakdowns in the upcoming episodes. You know, all these position battles, who we think is going to win out. Uh, so drop any suggestions when we drop this episode on Twitter to uh, let us know who you want us to talk about, what positions we could break down. But we have less than three weeks till football season comes back. The first college game is Saturday. I don't. It's crazy. It's, Let's go. I know. <laughs> it's was it Austin P versus Central Arkansas on the god awful purple field. Yeah, um, gray and purple. I could care less. <laughs> it's and we don't even have high school football in Virginia, so like this is everything I've needed. But. Real quick, do you think there is a chance that we do play this whole season? What's like your percentage on that we do get a football season? I think I'm feeling pretty optimistic. It sounds like the NFL is doing everything right. So 
I'm leaning towards a a, a solid 75% that the whole oh, season man. gets in. I, I really think that they're they're doing it right, and it sounds like the players are taking it seriously. Hopefully that continues when teams start to travel and, you know, you, you get bored and, and want to uh, go out on the a new town <laughs> or something like that. But hopefully they, they wings, you know. Yeah, hopefully they just um, – they stay with it and they stay, stay uh, diligent with it because uh, I think it'll be just up to these guys and, and doing what they're supposed to be doing. But it sounds like so far that teams are doing that for the most part. So I'm pretty optimistic. I, how are you feeling? I feel good about it. Um, I was one of those that kind of agreed with um, you know, Nick Saban saying that players were safe on campus. So I've been pushing for college football. I think you know the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were too quick to get out. I feel like they were too quick um, to get on the no fans at the stadium train. Um, I've seen some other teams say, you know, the first two weeks we're not going to have fans here and then kind of just play off of how everything's going. But one thing that's really gotten my attention is how many of these false positive tests came back from, like, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Bears. I mean, it was like double-digit numbers, and they all came back and said, no, we actually have zero positive tests. Um, and I think the NBA has really paved a really good path of this is how to do it with the bubble. I mean, they haven't had a positive test, player, coach, any media team member, anything like that, like what, like a month, like since the bubble started, really. Yeah, so, and I, I, I don't think the bubble is possible for football. There's just so many guys compared to an NBA team. So I get why the NFL is not able or not trying to do that, but yeah. – but yeah, that you got to be encouraged that if if they do things right, and it sounds like the NFL is going to try to do things right as best they can, that that they'll be able to play. And you know, maybe you you miss a guy here and there. You just hope that these guys are taking it seriously, and um, you know, when they're not with the team, they're making good decisions because I think that's going to be the the key factor in all of this. Yeah, I mean, the Mercedes-Benz Dome is nice. I mean, I wouldn't mind living there if I was a player. <laughs> that, yeah, I will say that cool. is my favorite stadium is in Atlanta. Um, but like yeah, I said, it's, it's just unrealistic to have a bubble. And I've seen people talk about that, but as many players and, and like I said, on the teams and stuff like that, it's unrealistic. So I think you could, you know, kind of like play certain areas of the country where it's not, you know, as popular. Like Florida is a hot spot in those bigger states, New York. They canceled their games like right away. So I feel like you could move to like a safer area if you had to. Um, but bubble wise, I don't think it's going to happen. But I do feel good about the season happening, you know, whether we're there or not. I just want football, but in a yeah, safe that's way. That's all I care about. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want, you know, I mean, AGG had uh, the coronavirus because of Liberty and delusional Jerry Falwell Jr., you know, having classes open way past when it should have and you know him dealing with that and coming out and said yeah i tested positive for it like you're like whoa like this is you know hitting close to the team now you know being a rookie so you want to do things a safe way but also something up that came up today i just want to touch on real quick you know with the players in the nba sitting out and boycotting the games today do you think this will possibly bleed over into the nfl do you think nfl players are going to do the same thing whether it's practice or games or what do you think about that I think we saw the Lions uh, take a practice off, and they uh, that was their demonstration. I, I'm all for the players speaking up and speaking out and how they see fit. So uh, I don't think we've ever seen something like this, at least I can't remember, and what the NBA players did. And 
Uh, I don't know if it translates to to the NFL. Maybe with less games, they feel like they can't afford to do that. But I don't think we'll we'll. Uh, I, let me take it back. I think we will see a lot of guys demonstrating in different ways and maybe some more vocal ways. And to be honest, I'm kind of excited for it. You know, I, I think it's important that the players are heard and not just seen as players as guys to hit and run and jump that they're they're seen as humans and they got feelings and thoughts too so i'm excited for it um and i think it's it's important for them to use their stage so i don't know that we'll see them sit out a game i don't know how that would look for an nfl season and how you could reschedule a whole sunday you know when you only have 16 of them but um will certainly it remains to be seen what they do um and and how they they handle it and how they they see this and uh, choose to express themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't really get into much of, like, the news and stuff like that on the podcast. But I feel like it's important to, you know, these these players aren't just athletes. They're also people who have families. And, you know, the, I feel like their voices do need to be heard. And I think, you know, the NBA is doing a good job on it. They're back in their players. I think that was really important. I mean, you're seeing a lot of fans come out against it and stuff like that. Um, but I will say, like, I was on the train with, you know, I want there to be peaceful protesting, and this is absolutely the way to do it. But now we have people kind of going against it and saying, well, you're just an athlete. Like, do it. That's not the way to do it because I want to see sports. There's more important things than sports out there. Yeah, so. 100%. And if, you know, for some reason the season gets pushed back, you know, I was I was kind of on that train too. Like, hey, if the college football season gets pushed back to spring because of, you know, the COVID-19 then so be it. Like, that's the way to do it. But I, I do feel like there is going to be a season. I think it is going to happen on time. Um, and we still have three weeks, so there's still some time to see, you know, what goes on with the boycotting and stuff like that, uh, to see if that bleeds into the NFL. Um, but something else that came out today, I just want to kind of plant this seed because we're going to have another upcoming episode uh, with a guest, talk about this even more. And that was the Washington Post coming out today. You know, kind of dropping another bomb, going right at Dan Snyder. What was your first thoughts when you read it? I, I just, it's another, it's another black eye. You kind of think you move on from one for this team, and then all of a sudden another one comes up. It's, it's just real tough to have these keep happening, especially in uh, when the season's about to start. I mean, we're we're three weeks away, and the, the focus again is not on the field, but on what's going on in the front office and all that. So it's kind of frustrating that it continues to happen. And you know, uh, I don't know how this is going to end up, but I'm just so sick of the nonsense off the field. Uh, you know, I'm really excited about Chase Young, and I'm really excited about Ron Rivera, and I'm excited to watch football. I'm not excited to talk about all of this over and over. It just keeps coming up. So. It's just frustrating, man, and um, I hope that uh, it's the last thing to come up, and I hope that it's dealt with, and, you know, I want to hear Dan Snyder own up to whatever it is, if he was involved or, you know, come out. I think it would really help if he came out and spoke, but we know that he, he never does that. Never. So, uh, so it's tough to, to know what's, what's true, what's accurate, what's made up, what's rumor, what's gossip, and what's actually going on, and it doesn't – it's, it's – it doesn't help when you're you're never out there, you know, representing yourself. So I don't know. It maybe could help if he came out and said something, got ahead of it, or you know. But if they find out that you know some of this stuff is going on, it's just what else is going on. It just makes me think that maybe it is time for him to move on. Whether or not he does that is a, is another thing. But 
it's just so frustrating that they make all these great moves with some of their media hires with uh with jason wright as the first uh black president you know all these awesome things are going on and then it just gets derailed with stuff like this so it's frustrating i hope that uh I hope that the people that are involved are held accountable and, and reprimanded, but I, I, we could go on and on, but uh, you know, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Like you said, you know, the culture is changing. You make all these big moves. You think, you know, finally all the dirt's gone, all that dirty stuff's gone. We can start to rebuild and you just get hit with something else. Um, so like you said, you know, Dan, he kind of came out with a statement that we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, just kind of pretty much denying everything, indirectly um and then roger goodell of course responds with an independent investigation that's going to be going on so we're going to see how that develops like i said we'll drop an episode coming up i'll have a guest on to really break down that um with their article on the situation but brian this has been our first episode it was a blast what do you think yeah i'm looking forward to it man i'm looking forward to the season starting getting to talk about uh, like we said, football and, and uh, a big season ahead for Dwayne Haskins, for Ron Rivera. I'm looking forward to it, man. I appreciate you uh, letting me jump aboard, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to see where this thing goes. Absolutely. Like I said, we'll have some guests coming on, and then we will definitely be taking a look at the roster spots and position battles and letting you guys know what the team's going to look like going into the season. We'll see you all next week. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.